Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. All right, welcome back to Middle-Aged Warriors. We are up to episode number 32. A lot has happened or hasn't happened since the last episode. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Halloween's behind us. Uh, the election is sort of behind Sort of behind us. Yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, and sadly, the COVID numbers uh, are exploding again nationwide and even across the, the globe, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot happening. It's, a, it's kind of a surreal world, especially in our American politics right now. Uh, we think we have a new president, right? We think. And that's the operative word. It's yeah. just bizarre. Well, I guess we kind of expected it because the table was set when you think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> the person who That's true. is right now true. not the president, uh, you know, is, is waiting. But the president himself had indicated this wasn't going to be an easy transition if he were not to win. And I guess it's not going to be an easy transition, is it? No, but you know what's interesting is now to see uh, Donald Trump attacking Fox News and saying if he is not elected president, which we pretty much know will be the case, that he's going to form his own television network to try and decimate Fox News. <laughs> All right, fine. Let him take the gloves off. Uh, no laws here. I don't yeah, talk. care either way what happens with that. Yeah. Um, that, but that's pretty talk funny. Talk about that, slapping the hand that's been feeding you. Yeah, but that's about how long any of that loyalty lasts. As, as long as you have his back and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, what kissing going on, he's good with you. But the minute you go against a little bit, you're, you're, you're kicked overboard. You're oh, man overboard off the man. USS Trump. You're, you're done. A lot of men overboard. Yeah, there's been, there's been plenty. But uh, one of the things, uh, you know, we always like to do when we get to these political topics and these hot topics, and we've checked in with him before, it's our friend Scott Blakeman. And uh, we're going to talk to him in a little bit and see what he's up to. Yeah, uh, Scott always has such a great approach and look at things from a comedic standpoint, and also from a, a really articulate and informed standpoint as a liberal New Yorker who happens to be a comedian. <laughs> and he is a positive guy, though, and I, I like the fact that he always uh, likes to put the positive slant on that, so, so that's, uh, that's always some good news. So let's get over to Scott, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of that. So in times of dire whatever it is where your back is against the wall, laughter really is the best medicine. And Scott Blakeman is our political advisor and staff comedian here on Middle-Aged Warriors and a Middle-Aged Warrior. And I don't even know where to begin. Well, we begin, I guess, with uh, we think we think we have a new president. <laughs> what do you think, Scott? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I know we do. The question is, <laughs> you know, is it be acknowledged. And uh, uh, but, you know, it was it was a great day. Just, you know, this Saturday, the results, what happened here, I, I live on the Upper Side of Manhattan, and uh, there's a bar a block away on, on the corner of 2nd Avenue that when there's a game on, you, you generally do hear people cheering. So initially, <laughs> 25, I hear some cheering, and I thought, who's playing 1125 on Saturday morning? And then I heard it getting louder. I said, oh, okay, because I've been following this like any news junkie, and... Um, so it was just an exciting feeling. It reminded me of, not to remind me, because I wasn't around then, but I was thinking Times Square, the E-Day, that famous kiss mm -hmm. of the uh, soldier, the woman he just met, and that right. iconic kiss. And I got to get outside, and I must admit, sheepishly, part of me was thinking, maybe I'll have an iconic kiss with the woman on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that didn't happen. Even happen. 
wouldn't happen in normal times, especially not. not <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're in, we're in a uh, so there was a, a nice crowd gathered a couple blocks away. And what struck me too is the cheering was precipitated by cars coming down Second yeah. Avenue and people honking. And we would yeah. cheer in cars. It's the only time since I lived in New York that we actually don't mind cars honking. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was on the rooftop having actually my coffee that morning. And it happened to be a pretty mild morning. And I slipped in a little weather there, sorry. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but that's exactly what happened first. I started hearing these, these car horns. I'm like, what's going on here? Then I began to hear the, the woo-woo and the clanking. And uh, there's a building across the street from me. And I think a guy on like the 10th floor came out and he had his pots and pans and he's banging and I'm waving to him. And I'm clanking my coffee mug. So it was yeah. kind of a cool experience. I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever, out of an election, had that happen before in my experience but we know it's happened before you know yeah. what for we new yorkers uh going through COVID for the past eight months this is a sound that has become somewhat familiar at seven o'clock on weeknights until a couple months ago when uh residents of manhattan would come out and cheer on our first responders right. by just clapping honking horns banging pots and pans and this was another cause for celebration at least in new york yeah and uh there were people just taking out champagne bottles and uncorking them and so it was a lot of fun i stood there for about an hour and then i walked to the west side through the park and as chris pointed out um uh it was a gorgeous day it was about 72 73 even if it was just a beautiful day it would be a cause of celebration but to have the that double you know, whammy of great, great stuff of uh, Biden winning and the beautiful day and the park was electric and the West Side, 72nd and Columbus, again, replicated itself. People cheering, it was very exciting. So Scott, where do we go from here as a comedian? Thank you for getting us through the past few months, by the way. Well, uh, you know, I think actually as a comedian, you know, I think I've, four years ago, uh, election night, uh, which was, you know, a very different result. I got an email from CNBC saying, would you like to be on tomorrow, meaning the day, night after the election, to talk about not if, but why Donald Trump's election is good for comedy. And I just stayed <laughs> up at 4.30 in the morning, not happily, uh, wasn't a happy night. And I wrote this angry email, and you know, as comedians and broadcasters, we say yes to almost everything, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, you know, I don't feel this is good for comedy or for our country. And I don't want to be on, but please keep me in mind for any future opportunities. Wow. Uh, and it just because I just felt that premise. It, it, it's been a, look, I think it's been a very difficult four years for a lot of reasons, but certainly comedically, what Donald Trump has done is beyond, I talked about this on another time with you guys, is that the reality was so absurd, it's almost hard to do the comedy. And so uh, I'm so glad that we'll be back to this. And I think hopefully he'll eventually concede or just uh, move to Brazil. I don't know what, what he's <laughs> but, uh, And it, you know, there's, it's, I, I just think in general, even people of different political persuasions, and you saw the Republicans who voted for Biden, it just hasn't been a good thing for our country to have somebody, just a lover of democracy and our constitution, the way he's uh, gone against that. So I think it's just gonna be great for the country. And it's certainly we're in the middle of a huge crisis right now. And comedy is more important than ever. And I'm looking forward to getting back up there whenever that uh, happens, or at least doing it through uh, Zoom. So speaking of what you just talked about, whether or not you know, he finally concedes. So as of the recording of this, which is Sunday, uh, just a couple of tweets that came out today. First one was, 
He won because the election was rigged. No vote watchers or yeah. observers allowed. Vote tabulated by a radical left privately owned company, Dominion, with a bad reputation and bum equipment that couldn't even qualify for Texas, which I won by a lot, which I don't even know what the hell that means, the fake and silent media and more. Then he followed it up with the only one in the eyes of the fake news media. I concede nothing. We have a long way to go. This was a rigged election. Question to you, Scott, also, all of these then have a red uh, connotation that comes out and says this claim about election fraud is disputed. That's what Twitter puts up. How do you feel about mm -hmm. that? There's been a lot of talk about, you know, these social media things, either not posting or removing these types of commentary about this being a, a fraudulent election, or just making a comment like that, putting that red line in there and saying, hey, by the way, this claim about election fraud is disputed. Is that impinging on freedom of speech, do you feel? Um, no, I, 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 first of all, he's one of the few people even saying this now. And what, you know, I think it's important that the role social media plays, I think you get into some sticky areas where you censor and delete things, but certainly to put an advisory uh, as, look, people look at social media as the news. That's unfortunate. It's not. But a, a newspaper or, or a station, a network would also qualify it and say, well, actually, the evidence shows. And I think it's important for people to know that the nonpartisan uh, Homeland Security Committee, whatever was in charge of seeing the election, they said this is one of the safest, most uh, well-handled elections we've ever had. And the stuff he's saying is discredited far, far, far fringe stuff. So it's, it's sad that we have a president who's saying that. Uh, and I think it is important to hold him accountable for that. You have friends around the globe. What is their thought? Oh, well, throughout all of this, there are people who, and we feel sorry for you, America. And <laughs> certainly two reasons, one for having Trump, but also for how we've, uh, the federal government has mishandled the, the, the crisis, the virus. And, uh, so yeah, I've got some very touching things from around the world from people. And look, we, we still have a lot of problems. And, and at least I feel like we're just back to having a normal normal people involved. People, I love the fact that these are people with years of experience. They, they know how to do it. It would be as if anything, you wouldn't have a guy driving your bus that you're on who doesn't know how to drive a bus and who, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a very basic <laughs> thing. We're getting back. Uh, normalcy in that sense. And certainly there'll be things that people will say, oh, I wish he did that or that. But it, it really is so beyond the pale. And really what you read, Chris, those tweets, if I wrote that in a script, somebody <laughs> would say, yeah, that's a little top. No, nobody would ever say that. So that's what the last four years have been a pitch that nobody would buy. And it's been real. You're listening to Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. And we are talking with our good friend. And by the way, our guest, of uh, this year hat trick, three wow. times. Uh, right. I'm really honored. <laughs> You're now our leading scorer. <laughs> this comedian Scott Blakeman, who has just a great perception of uh, politics and has his finger on the pulse. Do you feel shame being an American right now? Oh, no, no, no. I've never felt, uh, no. And I've performed in, uh, internationally in Holland and Netherlands when uh, during actually when Bill Clinton was president because we had the Monica Lewinsky scandal and <laughs> all of that, and which can't compare obviously to what we went through. Um, I've never felt shame for America or for Americans. I felt uh, you know, regretful that this is, that there were enough Americans. And even this time around that 70 million Americans could still vote for Trump. Uh, that troubles me, but 
Uh, I, I'm an optimist. I think all comedians ultimately are optimists. And, and uh, I just see the fact that people worked hard and were able to overturn this and winning Georgia, which is, is yeah. incredible. And I think that uh, I would like to see, you know, again, as you guys know, I've been on a lot of shows where I've debated people on the other side. I don't, I think we need some changes going forward. I don't love that polarization. I don't like that. I, I like being able to get along with people you disagree with and have, I've got a great friend from high school, Lincoln High School in Brooklyn, who's uh, more conservative, but he's one of the smartest guys I've known. And we have interesting debates with facts. And I, that's what, where I want to see our country going. I, I'd like to see news outlets that aren't so, uh, partisan or so uh, ideological. I think that uh, we certainly have a lot of outlets that aren't, but I don't know if it's good for our country. I think we need, maybe I'm old school, but uh, back to the days of having a newscast uh, like Cronkite or people like that, where you got the news and you didn't have all these talking heads. And I'm, I'm a talking head. I've done the pundit stuff. I think there's too much of that, really. Uh, I, I think we need experts or comedians, but we don't need just endless people in boxes I think like, you know, well, who cares what you think? Really, ultimately, let's spend that five minutes or 10 minutes going, well, here are some facts that will help you draw your opinion instead of basing on other people's opinions. So I'd love to see changes that way going forward. And I hope that this is an anomaly, what we went through these last four years, and that we can get the country back on track. And no, so I've never been, you know, uh, embarrassed by our country. I've just been embarrassed by certain people. Yeah, I think, you know, the point you brought up, we've really lost the sense of accepting our differences. And that's what this country was supposed to be all about, that we can still have a voice, different opinions, but a level of respect as Americans to each other. And we have really lost that in these last four years. And to be perfectly honest, you could have voted for Trump, that's fine and dandy, different reasons, still supporting Trump, that's fine and dandy. But what he did socially to this country and the divisiveness that he created, and let's be honest, he did create it, he did. You know, yeah. with his speech, with his his way of speaking, uh, some of the networks did it as well, maybe all of them. That's to me, you know, the, the toughest wound we are going to have to try to heal. And that's one of the toughest things I think Biden's going to have to challenge. You, you know, 70, like you said, 70 million people voted for Trump. This isn't a handful. Yeah. This is a large right. chunk yeah. of the voting population. Yeah. And I'm not sure how we're going to reverse some of these things. I've read some things where people and families have really divided they're not speaking to each other and we let that one man create that wave and that's really sad and that's what really pisses me off the most about the last four years no exactly and and uh, he's brought out the worst in certain people and emboldened yeah. the worst elements of our society and um you know we really and and the truth he's done such damage to the truth i mean washington post does a running thing about how many times he's lied or, or made misleading statements. It was like 18,000 the last day. <laughs> you know, it's fun for comedians and we, and you know, you can, but it really is damaging. I mean, you really, the, what he's done to that and look what he's doing now. It's, this is really, really, well, you wouldn't have a friend, keep a friend who would say, yeah, I had that, 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 yeah, that polling thing and George Soros has the thing. It's all the crazy, crazy, remember, you know, the great, you know, guys from WABC radio in the old days and yeah. Bob Brandt or OR and all that, these talk radio and these crazy callers. Well, this is crazier than any of that stuff. And that's disturbing. You know, they've been damaging policies that no one talks about to the environment and, and a lot of other issues that are, I think Biden can overturn hopefully. But as you say, Chris, there's really been a great, look, America works best when we work together and when we, Think, and uh, you know, I remember, of course, we all remember 9 11 
you didn't have people going, yeah, it's your fault and this. We just came right. together. We held candles. We, we said we're going to get through this. People were nicer than ever to each other. Mm-hmm. None of that happened with the, the virus. I mean, right from the beginning, he's criticizing other governors as if it's another country or they're the enemy. And it's really, it was just horrible and, and obviously ineffective. It's really reminiscent of, I hate to say it, uh, the 1930s and 40s in Germany, where divide and conquer was kind of the mantra that I don't even like to give credit to Adolf Hitler, but basically his regime uh, lived by that divide and conquer. And it was really disheartening to see the demonstration in Washington, D.C. this weekend of everybody out there uh, bashing the media. And I understand you're not happy if your guy did not win. I understand that. But to basically rip down American democracy after the pundits and the authorities have said this was the most honest election that they've seen in years. I don't think they're making that up. No, that is the most trouble, you know, because we're, you know, it's a true patriot stands by our democracy and he's trying to tear down. I wouldn't do the Hitler analogy, but certainly uh, Mussolini, maybe. I mean, he really, uh, that's why the only people who haven't uh, congratulated Biden or other strong men or other people who want to be strong men, want to be dictators. They are dictators and Trump's a wannabe. And the fact that 70 million people support that. And not only that, it's the cowardly Republicans who were so caught up with their own careers that so few of them have just stood up and said, no, wait a minute, we lost, that's it, let's move on. And, and, and you know, it's not gonna be Trump, but someday someone could come along who's slicker, who's charming, who's smarter, and who knows what could happen. So I think it's been a real test to our system and hopefully we can come out of it uh, better for it. That's why I've been, I've been trying to push this thing and you know, a phrase in my head just kept coming up and it's, it's okay to still think for yourself. And I think we've lost <laughs> that. And a lot of people are sheep and they want to be led. They want to be fed something. They want to buy into it. That's it. I don't really have to think beyond this. These people are thinking for me. So, you know, whether it's Fox News, whether it's MSNBC, whether it's the president, whatever the case might be. But the labeling always gets me. And the, the one that always really got me was like liberals. Like he's really created the term liberal as a very negative connotation. If you yeah. look at the definition, of liberal. It says relating to or denoting a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise, which I think he's enjoyed a pretty long life enjoying all of those things. So is he a liberal? Absolutely. But yeah. I don't get this liberal crap. What does that even mean? What does that mean? Why is that? Well, exactly. an- well Chris, I wish that Mike Dukakis had said that when George H.W. Yeah. said he's a hard-carrying member of the American Civil Liberties Union. And I love the people who said, just as you said very eloquently, okay, if, a, if being a liberal means this is that, yeah, I'm a liberal, but yeah, they, they far left radicals. And also conservatives aren't conservatives. You know, the, the, the ones who call them, a true conservative also doesn't want the government involved in your personal life and all that. So as you say, these labels are ridiculous. It's even on dating sites, I have to say, being on the dating scene, uh, you know, all these moderate, conservative, liberal, and I mean, it's really, as you say, we need to be independent thinkers. And I do find even among people I know, if you're not across the board, 100%, you know, following a certain uh, way of thought, then forget it. So 
uh, yeah, we need to show respect for each other, but we also have to do it by actually listening to the facts and not allowing people to get away with not telling the truth. What a concept. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm beginning to feel like, you know, truth is on the brink of uh, extinction. It really yeah. is. It, it, because I don't need, what's the truth? I don't know what the truth is anymore. It's, it's, it's been redefined. So it's yeah. that's a very scary way to live. Yeah, exactly. That's why we say, how could 70 million? Well, because to those 70 million voted for Trump, their truth, their reality is totally different than ours. We need to, I don't know how long this would take to have a shared reality once again. I mean, back in 68, 69, nobody, no one said, yeah, the Vietnam War doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no <laughs> Vietnam War. Right. They said, we pull out, we should bomb them, we should do something. There were different points of view, but we accepted a reality and we're so far from that now. So if we could get to that point where at least we have a shared reality, I think we'll have a shot at doing better. Hey, Scott, with uh, Thanksgiving happening quickly upon us, um, what are we thankful for? What are you thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful that we had a cause to celebrate last week. I'm thankful that we have... Uh, a system that's still intact enough that we can, you know, have an election that actually works, that's fair, that, you know, somebody, uh, as in other countries, they can't just stop an election, stop the vote counting as Trump wanted to do, uh, you know, but it's fragile. But I'm glad that these institutions still are intact for now. And I'm just thankful every day. I mean, this sounds a little sappy, but especially during these times uh, for personal things, for just how fortunate I am. Am, to be healthy, to, you know, live, live, I moved into Manhattan now. A lot of people at that time were saying, you're moving there. Isn't it terrible? You know what? It's lively. It's thriving because it's New Yorkers. You know, that doesn't change. You know, people are people. Yeah, some things closed. There's no theater. That's sad. Uh, but uh, I'm just thankful for the things that we have. And I'm optimistic uh, that things are going to get better. Um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully before Biden takes over, but at least when he does, to have a sane way of approaching our problems. And uh, hopefully, uh, again, I'm hopefully I'm not being a Pollyanna or whatever the male version of a Pollyanna is, <laughs> that uh, these things that we've talked about today will change and we will be come together more as a country. I think it's a Polly-Arney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Polly-Peter. But I, I would say for me, you know, and to, to echo uh, Scott also, I mean, in terms of being thankful for really knock on, I'm hitting my head, knock on wood, but that my family is healthy. All of my kids, my mom, my sister, you know, my brother there, everybody's healthy, got through this so far. We're riding this next wave of the pandemic. And you just look at so many people who've lost their jobs, their business, uh, you really, really feel for them. And I hope that somehow we can find a way to get them over this next hump, because I think this next wave is gonna be a problem again, economically for so many. So uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to those people and I hope we can find, find a way. Hey, Scott, as a comedian, I want to play a game with you, uh, sure. word association, as me with the uh, the social work background and, and therapy. Uh, if I throw a word out at you, just uh, give me a reaction, give us a thought. Uh, our first word, pandemic. Uh, something that, you know, you read about in history books and you think that we're actually living through it. So it's sort of like there's so many times history. wow, well, I wonder what it was like during that or and we know we, we could write the history book. So, uh, and hopefully it'll be something that'll be over soon, but it's hard to believe we're in it, but hopefully we'll get through it soon. Fauci. Hero, uh, Brooklyn guy. Great, you know, which I'd love to be friends with. Guy. 
I think and it really a mask. That's right. Yeah, I see him growing up with him. He would probably have gone to a different high school than me, like uh, Lafayette. I went to Lincoln, and just a great guy. And and you talked about what to be thankful for. Thankful that we have him. He's been there for forty odd years yeah. or more, mm -hmm. uh, and that ultimately the American people overwhelmingly trusted him as opposed to Trump. So I'm, I'm thankful for him. New York Mets. <gasps> I think they're coming. I, I, uh, you know, I'm always that way. I, you know, I've been getting their emails, you know, hey, tickets are on sale. And mm -hmm. I hope that's in, in April, that's, a, uh, that's possible that we're actually, I, my friend Mitch and I, we went know each other since second grade. We have our opening day ritual, obviously, except for this year. I'm hopefully things will be better enough then that we'll be sitting in those seats uh, opening day. And, um, you know, you're always hopeful. Uh, I just, I have to say just in general, you know, three of us being sports lovers, I'm so impressed with just what these other leagues were able to do that they were able to pull off the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, and baseball, which looked like it was doomed from the beginning. I think we talked about this early on. And that athletes really have stepped up. I think, the asterisk should be that it was even harder to do what they did this time around. Not like it was only 60 games. It was only this, it was only that. To be able to function at that level in those circumstances, away from your family, all of that stuff. And, and I think the level of play was some of the best we've seen in any sport during this period. Uh, and their social acti activism was really impressive, all the sports. So I just tip my hat to, to sports in general, and hopefully it'll be back. Yeah, to normal, you know, for the next next go round. Obviously, not for the NBA in December, but hopefully soon. Yeah, that was one of the things. I know uh, my partner Rick over here tends to poo-poo the sixty-game schedule and all these shortened seasons, whatever it was. But what did happen for me with baseball, in particular, was I realized how much I really love the game. And having worked early mornings. Uh, for many, many years. I never really got to stay up to watch these World Series games to completion. Yeah. And it was so awesome to watch the playoffs, watch the World Series. I had no investment in any particular team, but I had a blast watching it. Suddenly I'm sitting there, I'm like, uh, he went with the curveball the last two pitches. I wonder if he's going to come up and in with this fastball. Like I was back into the game and enjoying the game. And you're absolutely right. The passion that these guys had was so genuine. And to have been taken away from their families and put in this bubble for a long period of time, that had to really suck, let's be honest. But that oh, shows yeah. how much they love the game and they love playing the game. So something positive for me out of some of the sports did come out of that because you really got to see the players and their passion and their love for what they do again. And I think that comes across in a scenario like this. Oh, yeah. And, and obviously with the no fans, they were able to rise above that. Mm -hmm. And it really, and ultimately for us, it was a great distraction. I mean, that's what sports always is, ultimately. Even a bad team, you know, you <laughs> still come out because you want to get out of the house. You want to have fun. You want to hang out with your buddies. You want to see a game. And it's not just that they're winning. And really, uh, and I wasn't, didn't notice the no fans after about a couple of minutes. And <laughs> really, you know, and like sure. I said, the level of play was incredible. And I'm so thankful that we, we did have that, you know, and, and uh, I think that's what people needed. Yeah, it was funny because I would look at those, those figures in the stands. I think eventually they started taking down the dog heads and the cat heads yeah. that were behind home plate. That was throwing me off just a little yeah. bit. But, but you're right. You, you adjust very quickly because you're focusing on the game. Really. Yeah. I think as 2020 starts to head into its final approach here, 
Chris, we may uh, want to rename the show Old Age Warriors because <laughs> we've all lived a lifetime this year. It's yeah. been unbelievable. Yeah, well, one, the negative is, you know, time flies. I mean, could you believe this is we're into middle of November? Eh? That's unbelievable. But the, on the flip side, I always love to tell people, you know, yes, it gets dark at 4.30, one minute I'm checking email, I look up, it's dark. But uh, I always love thinking about December 21st because mm -hmm. that's when starts going the other way in the dead of winter it's going to be freezing it starts getting more and more light starting then it's only a month a month away so i look forward to that and and the flip side of things going by fast is that hopefully this crisis will end more more quickly and before you know it'll be the spring and will be really things will be much much uh better so uh that's one thing to look forward to and um well, you really yeah. are a Pollyanna, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah yes. Can I call you every day and you can give me this pep talk? Because I need it. <laughs> sure, sure. But thanks for your optimism. Thanks for your time, as always, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Scott, you really are. You're like our third wheel. Well, I'm honored to have the hat, hat trick. And let's uh, whatever comes after that, I hope I can have that, too. It's always great spending time with both of you guys. And start working on that Biden material uh, on the committee side. So we'll be oh, ready. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Be well, Scott. Take care of yourself. Thank you, you too, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Once again, our time so valuable that we spend with somebody who has such a great approach and uh, look at life, and that is New York City comedian Scott Blakeman, who uh, is a friend and guy I've now known for 20 years. He's the guy who taught me stand-up comedy. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Because we know. <laughs> How did that go, Rick? <laughs> yeah, well. Just kidding. I'm here with you. Yeah. You can be you can be funny on occasion when you're sitting down. No, uh, right. but it, it's always nice. Right. To hear. It's always nice to hear from Scott. You know, and one of the things we were talking about uh, off air before uh, the interview, Scott has his own podcast. Now we do ours basically once a week. We put out a show on Middle Age Warriors. Yeah, uh, but Scott has his own uh, podcast with a friend, and it's called Getting Through This with Tom and Scott, and it's done on a daily basis. And we mean really and, daily. And Tom is actually out in Los Angeles. So they sync up and uh, and talk about getting through this, which is what we're all trying to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a bi-coastal thing, but it's it's interesting that they, they basically are dealing with, you know, the, the daily changes of what's going on. And I guess uh, in essence, yeah, every, every, every day things change and then sort of feel the same. I can't quite put my fingers on it, but <laughs> it's kind of- I think you just did. Yeah, it's just the world we live in. It's it's a it's a. We're, I feel like a gerbil on a wheel, and I'm not particularly liking the cage that I'm in right now. I yeah, prefer, I prefer a different cage if I'm going to be a gerbil on a wheel. But uh, so be it. I like the fact that Scott keeps us positive, and uh, you know that's a good thing. You know what? And before we uh, bail out of here, great news as we mentioned with Scott before about the Mets, who uh, yeah. are are looking very upbeat, but. On a sad note, I just wanted to acknowledge uh, the passing of Sean Connery and oh. then Alex Trebek. And there's such irony in the fact that they should both die in the same week because Scott is, uh, I mean, Chris is a former uh, NBC guy, you know, SNL. The Jeopardy, uh, Jeopardy uh, episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing how uh, Trebek and Connery would be linked forever through the Jeopardy parodies that Daryl yeah. Hammond did and that uh, some Bill, of the Bill, funniest Bill Farrell. stuff ever. Bill Farrell, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you really, if you don't, if you don't know or are not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, go over to YouTube and just pull up Sean Connery SNL Jeopardy 
and you'll see some of the funniest, I mean, they are funniest so funny episodes. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Mr. Trebek. It is, you know, it is the passing of, of two icons. And, you know, when Alex battled uh, really just a, a very uh, tough cancer, yeah. he had a cancer for quite some time. And just hearing also the people who were friends with him or knew him or even had the opportunity to meet him, in particular, Alex, nobody, nobody had a bad thing to say about. He was such a class act and a brilliant guy. This guy was, yeah. he would read constantly. He knew a lot of the answers to those questions, um, you know, and this was this was a brilliant guy with a, a great charm. By the way, his son has a restaurant up in Harlem. Is that right? I forgot the name of it, but uh, it was it's near my alma mater, City College up in Harlem. So if you can check that out, I'll try to remember the name. If I can, I'll, I'll put it on our post. But yeah, it's, um, you know, so, it's a sad. It's a sad week. We've lost a couple of icons, uh, but they've left us with a lot too. Big legacy. That's true. So with all of that, uh, we're going to wrap this one up. I will say, hang in there, be strong, stay safe, and be smart. But also, uh, on the bright side, sunshine always. And I will say, be good, feel good, and thank you for carving some time out of your life to spend with uh, Chris and Rick here on Middle Age Warriors. Let's go, Mets. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.